chapter three of mrs craddock by william somerset mom this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva with old and young great sorrow is followed by a sleepless night and with the old great joy is as disturbing but youth i suppose finds happiness more natural and its rest is not thereby disturbed bertha slept without dreams and awaking for the moment did not remember the occurrence of the previous day but quickly it came back to her and she stretched herself with a sigh of great content she lay in bed to contemplate her well-being she could hardly realize that she had attained her dearest wish god was very good and gave his creatures what they asked without words from the fullness of her heart she offered up thanks it was quite extraordinary after the maddening expectation after the hopes and fears the lover's pains which are nearly pleasure at last to be satisfied she had now nothing more to desire for her happiness was complete ah yes indeed god was very good bertha thought of the two months she had spent at blackstable after the first excitement of getting into the house of her father's she had settled down to the humdrum of country life she spent the day wandering about the lanes or on the seashore watching the desolate sea she read a great deal and looked forward to the ample time at her disposal to satisfy an immoderate desire for knowledge she spent long hours in the library which her father had made for it was only with falling fortunes that the family of ley had taken to reading books it had only applied itself to literature when it was too poor for any other pursuit bertha looked at the titles of the many volumes receiving a certain thrill as she read over the great names of the past and imagined the future delights that they would give her one day she was calling at the vicarage and edward craddock happened to be there lately returned from a short holiday she had known him in days gone by his father had been her father's tenant and he still farmed the same land but for eight years they had not seen one another and now bertha hardly recognized him she thought him however a good-looking fellow in his knickerbockers and thick stockings and was not displeased when he came up to speak asking if she remembered him he sat down and a certain pleasant odor of the farmyard was wafted over to bertha a mingled perfume of strong tobacco of cattle and horses she did not understand why it made her heart beat but she inhaled it voluptuously and her eyes glittered he began to talk and his voice sounded like music in her ears he looked at her and his eyes were large and gray she found them highly sympathetic he was clean-shaven and his mouth was very attractive she blushed and felt herself a fool bertha took pains to be as charming as possible she knew her own dark eyes were beautiful and fixed them upon his when at last he bade her good-bye and shook hands she blushed again 
she was extraordinarily troubled and as with his rising the strong masculine odor of the countryside reached her nostrils her head whirled she was very glad miss ley was not there to see her she walked home in the darkness trying to compose herself for she could think of nothing but edward craddock she recalled the past trying to bring back to her memory incidents of their old acquaintance at night she dreamt of him and she dreamt he kissed her she awoke in the morning thinking of craddock and felt it impossible to go through the day without seeing him she thought of sending an invitation to luncheon or to tea but hardly dared she did not want miss ley to see him yet then she remembered the farm she would walk there was it not hers he would surely be working upon it the god of love was propitious and in a field she saw him directing some operation she trembled at the sight her heart beat very quickly and when seeing her he came forward with a greeting she turned red and then white in the most compromising fashion but he was very handsome as with easy gait he sauntered to the hedge above all he was manly and the pleasing thought passed through bertha that his strength must be quite herculean she barely concealed her admiration oh i didn't know this was your farm she said shaking hands i was just walking at random i should like to show you round miss bertha craddock opened the gate and took her to the sheds where he kept his carts pointing out a couple of sturdy horses ploughing an adjacent field he showed her his cattle and poked the pigs to let her admire their excellent condition he gave her sugar for his hunter and took her to the sheep explaining everything while she listened spellbound when with great pride craddock showed her his machines and explained the use of the horse tosser and the expense of the reaper she thought that never in her life had she heard anything so enthralling but above all bertha wished to see the house in which he lived do you mind giving me a glass of water she said i'm so thirsty do come in he answered opening the door he led her to a little parlor with an oilcloth on the floor on the table which took up most of the room was a stamped red cloth the chairs and the sofa covered with worn old leather were arranged with the greatest possible stiffness on the chimney-piece along with pipes and tobacco jars were bright china vases with rushes in them and in the middle a marble clock oh how pretty cried bertha with enthusiasm you must feel very lonely here by yourself oh no i'm always out shall i get you some milk it'll be better for you than water but bertha saw a napkin laid on the table a jug of beer and some bread and cheese have i been keeping you from your lunch she asked i'm so sorry it doesn't matter at all i just have a little snack at eleven oh may i have some too i love bread and cheese and i'm perfectly ravenous they sat opposite one another seeing a great joke in the impromptu meal the bread which he cut in a great chunk was delicious and the beer of course was nectar 
but afterwards bertha feared that craddock must be thinking her somewhat odd do you think it's very eccentric of me to come and lunch with you in this way i think it's awfully good of you mr ley used to come and have a snack with my father oh did he said bertha of course that made her proceeding quite natural but i really must go now i shall get into awful trouble with aunt polly he begged her to take some flowers and hastily cut a bunch of dahlias she accepted them with the most embarrassing gratitude and when they shook hands at parting her heart went pit a pat again ridiculously miss ley inquired from whom she got her flowers oh said bertha coolly i happened to meet one of the tenants and he gave them to me hm murmured miss ley it would be more to the purpose if they paid their rent miss ley presently left the room and bertha looked at the prim dahlias with a heart full of emotion she gave a laugh it's no good trying to hide it from myself she murmured i'm head over ears in love she kissed the flowers and felt very glad she evidently was in that condition since by the night bertha had made up her mind to marry edward craddock or die she lost no time for less than a month had passed and their wedding day was certainly in sight miss ley loathed all manifestations of feeling christmas when everybody is supposed to take his neighbor to his bosom and harbor towards him a number of sentimental emotions caused her such discomfort that she habitually buried herself for the time in some continental city where she knew no one and could escape the overbrimming of other people's hearts even in summer miss ley could not see a holly tree without a little shiver of disgust her mind went immediately to the decorations of middle-class houses the mistletoe hanging from a gas chandelier and the foolish old gentleman who found amusement in kissing stray females she was glad that bertha had thought fit to refuse the display of enthusiasm from servants and impoverished tenants which on the attainment of her majority her guardian had wished to arrange miss ley could imagine that the festivities possible on such an occasion the handshaking the making of good cheer and the obtrusive joviality of the country englishman might surpass even the tawdry rejoicings of yuletide but bertha fortunately detested such things as sincerely as did miss ley herself and suggested to the persons concerned that they could not oblige her more than by taking no notice of an event which really did not to her seem very significant but dr ramsay's hardiness could not be entirely restrained and he had also a fine old english sense of the fitness of things that passion to act in a certain manner merely because in times past people have always so acted he insisted on solemnly meeting bertha to offer congratulations a blessing and some statement of his stewardship bertha came downstairs when miss ley was already eating breakfast a very feminine meal consisting of nothing more substantial than a square inch of bacon and a morsel of dry toast 
miss ley was really somewhat nervous she was bothered by the necessity of referring to bertha's natal day that is one advantage of women she told herself after twenty-five they gloss over their birthdays like improprieties a man is so impressed with his cleverness in having entered the world at all that the anniversary always interests him and the foolish creature thinks it interests other people as well but bertha came into the room and kissed her good morning dear said miss ley and then pouring out her niece's coffee our estimable cook has burnt the milk in honour of your majority i trust she will not celebrate the occasion by getting drunk at all events till after dinner i hope dr ramsay won't enthuse too vigorously replied bertha understanding miss ley's feeling oh my dear i tremble at the prospect of his jollity he's a good man i should think his principles were excellent and i don't suppose he's more ignorant than most general practitioners but his friendliness is sometimes painfully aggressive but bertha's calm was merely external her brain was in a whirl and her heart beat with excitement she was full of impatience to declare her news bertha had some sense of dramatic effect and looked forward a little to the scene when the keys of her kingdom being handed to her she made the announcement that she had already chosen a king to rule by her side she felt also that between herself and miss ley alone the necessary explanations would be awkward dr ramsay's outspoken bluffness made him easier to deal with there is always a difficulty in conducting one's self with a person who ostentatiously believes that every one should mind his own business and who whatever her thoughts takes more pleasure in the concealment than in the expression thereof bertha sent a note to craddock telling him to come at three o'clock to be introduced as the future lord and master of court lays dr ramsay arrived and burst at once into a prodigious stream of congratulation partly jocose partly grave and sentimental but entirely distasteful to the fastidiousness of miss ley bertha's guardian was a big broad-shouldered man with a mane of fair hair now turning white miss ley vowed he was the last person upon this earth to wear mutton-chop whiskers he was very red-cheeked and by his size joviality and florid complexion gave an idea of unalterable health with his shaven chin and his loud voice burliness he looked like a yeoman of the old school before bad times and the spread of education had made the farmer a sort of cross between the city clerk and the newmarket trainer dr ramsay's frock coat and top hat notwithstanding the habit of many years set uneasily upon him with the air of sunday clothes upon an agricultural labourer miss ley who liked to find absurd descriptions of people or to hit upon an apt comparison had never been able exactly to suit him and that somewhat irritated her in her eyes the only link that connected the doctor with humanity was a certain love of antiquities which had filled his house with old snuff-boxes china and other precious things 
humanity miss ley took to be a small circle of persons mostly feminine middle-aged unattached and of independent means who travelled on the continent read good literature and abhorred the vast majority of their fellow-creatures especially when these shrieked philanthropically thrust their religion in your face or cultivated their muscle with aggressive ardour dr ramsay ate his luncheon with an appetite that miss ley thought must be a great source of satisfaction to his butcher she asked politely after his wife to whom she secretly objected for her meek submission to the doctor miss ley made a practice of avoiding those women who had turned themselves into mere shadows of their lords more especially when their conversation was of household affairs and mrs ramsay except on sundays when her mind was turned to the clothes of the congregation thought of nothing beyond her husband's enormous appetite and the methods of subduing it they returned to the drawing-room and dr ramsay began to tell bertha about the property who this tenant was and the condition of that farm winding up with the pitiful state of the times and the impossibility of getting rents and now bertha what are you thinking of doing he asked this was the opportunity for which bertha had been looking i she said quietly oh i intend to get married dr ramsay opened his mouth threw back his head and laughed immoderately very good indeed he cried <laughs> miss ley looked at him with uplifted eyebrows girls are coming on nowadays he said with much amusement why in my time a young woman would have been all blushes and downcast glances if anyone had talked of marriage she would have prayed heaven to send an earthquake to swallow her up fiddlesticks said miss ley bertha was looking at dr ramsay with a smile that she with difficulty repressed and miss ley caught the expression so you intend to be married bertha said the doctor again laughing yes when asked miss ley who did not take bertha's remark as merely playful bertha was looking out the window wondering when edward would arrive when she repeated turning round this day four weeks what cried dr ramsay jumping up you don't mean to say you've found someone are you engaged oh i see i see you've been having a little joke with me why didn't you tell me that bertha was engaged all the time miss ley my good doctor answered miss ley with great composure until this moment i knew nothing whatever about it i suppose we ought to offer our congratulations it's a blessing to get them all over on one day dr ramsay looked from one to the other with perplexity well upon my word he said i don't understand neither do i replied miss ley but i keep calm it's very simple said bertha i got engaged last night and as i say i mean to be married exactly four weeks from to-day to mr craddock what cried dr ramsay jumping up in astonishment and causing the floor to quake in the most dangerous way craddock what do you mean which craddock edward craddock replied bertha coolly of bewley's farm 
dr ramsay's exclamation cannot be transcribed but it sounded horrid the scoundrel it's absurd you'll do nothing of the sort bertha looked at him with a gentle smile but did not trouble to answer you're very emphatic dear doctor said miss ley who is this gentleman he isn't a gentleman said dr ramsay purple with vexation he's going to be my husband dr ramsay said bertha compressing her lips in the manner which with miss ley had become habitual and turned to that lady i've known him all my life and father was a great friend of his father's he's a gentleman farmer the definition of which said dr ramsay is a man who's neither a farmer nor a gentleman i forget what your father was said bertha who remembered perfectly well my father was a farmer replied dr ramsay with some heat and thank god he made no pretence of being a gentleman he worked with his own hands i've seen him often enough with a pitchfork turning over a heap of manure when no one else was handy i see said bertha but my father can have nothing to do with it you can't marry him because he's been dead these thirty years and you can't marry me because i've got a wife already miss ley amused at the doctor's bluntness concealed a smile but bertha getting rather angry thought him singularly rude and what have you against him she asked if you want to make a fool of yourself he's got no right to encourage you he knows he isn't a fit match for you why not if i love him why not shouted dr ramsay because he's the son of a farmer like i am and you're miss ley of court leys because a man in that position without fifty pounds to his back doesn't make love on the sly to a girl with a fortune five thousand acres which pay no rent murmured miss ley who was always in opposition you have nothing whatever against him retorted bertha you told me yourself that he had the very best reputation i didn't know you were asking me with a view to matrimony i wasn't i care nothing for his reputation if he were drunken and idle and dissolute i'd marry him because i love him my dear bertha said miss ley the doctor will have an apoplectic fit if you say such things you told me he was one of the best fellows you knew dr ramsay said bertha i don't deny it cried the doctor and his red cheeks really had in them a purple tinge that was quite alarming he knows his business and he works hard and he's straight and steady good heavens doctor cried miss ley he must be a miracle of rural excellence bertha would surely never have fallen in love with him if he were faultless if bertha wanted an agent dr ramsay proceeded i could recommend no one better but as for marrying him does he pay his rent asked miss ley he's one of the best tenants we've got growled the doctor somewhat annoyed by miss ley's frivolous interruptions of course in these bad times added miss ley who was determined not to allow dr ramsay to play the heavy father with too much seriousness i suppose about the only resource of the respectable farmer is to marry his landlady here he is interrupted bertha 
good god is he coming here cried her guardian i sent for him remember he is going to be my husband i'm damned if he is said dr ramsay End of chapter three